Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper with you once again, sports broadcaster in the UK. Thank you for hitting on the button. Appreciate it. I hope you're well. hope you got a good week ahead. Hopefully the weather, if you're in the UK, continues to maybe look a little bit more summery as it is in summer. Uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you to the sponsors, as ever, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Bangalore's beautiful store housed in Montpellier here in Cheltenham in the west of England in the courtyard there. But above and beyond that, as well, always stressed that Serene AV, the sort of sister brother company, however you look at it, managed by Jason Briggs Consortium, whatever suits your home entertainment vision, your budget, not just Bangalore's world-renowned branded equipment. So yeah, whatever's whatever's good for you. Get in touch with Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham. Look them up online, BNO underscore Cheltenham on social media. If you are looking to optimize your immunity, remember the association that the podcast has with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company, not far from here in the west of England, one that we've been using as a family for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who's also worked with Cytoplan as a consultant, devising some of the ingredients in the supplements, particularly the multivitamins, vitamins, you may call them, things like foundation formula and one we take now the immune complete range as a family and we can offer you the discounts that we kind of enjoy or a similar one 30 percent off your first purchase 10 percent thereafter and if you go to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk the discount code at checkout is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. You might want to look at some uh, vitamin D3 if you're in the UK and the sunshine doesn't come out this week. <laughs> Shouldn't need it, should we, at this time of year, but you never know. Uh, so that's side to plan. Thank you to them. And also, if you're interested in um, documenting some loved ones' life stories, their memories, whether it's a childhood memories, their career, the things that you want to know and save for posterity to connect future generations, working on a venture with my wife, Carla, Attic Box Audio. If you go to atticboxaudio.co.uk, all the details are there. A T T I C B O X Audio A U D I O.co.uk. And basically, it's where I sit down with members of the public. Everyone's life story is, is fantastic. This isn't for people with particularly astounding world prominence. This is for people, everyday stories for families to connect families, quality audio recording accompanied by a beautiful transcript book, a couple of transcript books that are illustrated, colored by family photographs, events to match the story as it unwinds from childhood to the present day. It could be typically older people, grandparents maybe, but for younger people too, you want to get those records down while they're still in your head, have a conversation that can live on in the family forever in high quality audio. So that voice, that presence is always with you. Check out, check it out, atticboxaudio.co.uk. Let me know what you think. You can email hello at drapermedia.co.uk on that. Right now on to a fairly regular guest on the podcast over the past year since he conducted a circuit training seminar that I went to as part of my personal training education I've been doing on the side from my day job as a sports broadcaster. 
with Sky. It's Ross Mitchell, really learned man, quite philo- philosophical in broader terms around life, but also the specifics of fitness training, strength training is what we talk about here, particularly the ability to get in and out of a gym when life gets busy, when time and, and energy demands are pulled in different directions. What can you do most effectively in the gym? Big compound movements, develop those strengths, the pull-ups, the squats, deadlifts, that kind of thing. And Turkish get-ups as well, get an honourable mention here. But really fascinating conversation. Another one with Ross Mitchell. And please uh, tre- uh, check Ross Mitchell, his Instagram out as well. He is doing online coaching. It, whether you're a coach yourself wanting mentorship or whether you're a client, potential client looking to, to get in shape, check out Ross's uh, Instagram account and indeed his blog online. Here he is, uh, the one and only Ross Mitchell. Ross Mitchell, welcome back to the podcast. Brilliant to see you. How, how are you today? I say thank you very much for having me back. And hopefully people get some value out of my rambles and my sort of random rabbit holes I go down. I say I've been all right. It's uh, currently very grey outside. So I've been sort of <laughs> admin in various bits and pieces this morning and just trying to share information as and where possible. I've actually been doing that on Instagram lately when people have been watching my stories. I sent a message going, oh, thanks for watching the ramble. Any content you want to see? Yeah, so yeah. Any, anybody that listens to this or watches this, if there's anything you guys want to know, like, feel free to message Ed or message me directly and I'll happily put something together for you just to get information out there and try and help people avoid the mistakes that I've made, which are numerous. Well, I find it really valuable because you're a really learned physical expert about fitness and training and actually the stuff on Instagram is great. Remind people what the handle is for that. Is it Ross Mitchell 10? Is it? Is that right? Uh, it's Ross Fit PT and then the number 10. So okay. R-O-S-S-F-I-T and then P-T-10. Yeah, they get more complicated, don't they? The uh, social media handles, there's more and more people in the world. So it's kind of, <laughs> and then the underscores are yeah. quite good, but then it's remembering where the underscores are. And um, is that, What is an underscore? You go underscore and they go, is that the line in the middle, the dash? And yeah. It's like, no, you've literally just explained all the different ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, f- I find it really valuable, particularly as I've been rehabbing, we've been speaking. I really appreciate your insight on that after my meniscus operation last month. And something that's become increasingly interesting to me as I've enjoyed the gym and we've spoken about is, you know, it's, it's fantastic, but as life gets more complicated, as your energy levels go down, your time levels go down, it's, it's how you best utilize it. So you're doing bicep curls and sort of vanity stuff isn't probably the best use of your time. It's the big, big exercises, the compound movements. And, and you've been talking about that online a lot. And the people, it's, we're playing into this, we're talking about before we started recording the idea of, of not over beasting yourself in the in the gym as well but psychologically difficult but there are some some big movements we can do can't we that that are effective Mm. yeah i mean there's a lot of good moves out there one move that uh, was always championed by charles poliquin which i must admit i was like really is it that good and you sort of do it and then you do it with your clients you're like no he was right but there was a reason he had like was it 22 gold sort of medal olympians and stuff like that wow and it's the snatch grip deficit deadlift so essentially, you're not only getting in like a good amount of extended range of motion in the deadlift. So you're getting more quads and things of that nature. You're getting more hamstrings, more glutes. Everything is just generally awesome. You get a lot of upper thoracic extension where you're holding mm. your posture up. Mm. Right? So it's like you're, you're just keeping your chin up nice and high. It's an easy way to think about it. You get all the muscles in your back worked. And it's a very simple move that almost everyone could do. So people are like, oh, I want to develop my legs, but the squat rack's always busy. Okay, we'll do these. Mm. now is that saying that it's better than a squat no if you want to get good at squats you need to squat however sometimes you have to make the best of what you have available or if you have like a garage gym like a home gym set up you can 
do those kind of moves there. You simply stand on a plate, set up the barbell, and now you've got extended range of motion. You're going to get a lot of bang for your buck out of it. Mm. And people look and go, how many, how many sets and reps? That's a very deep conversation. I mean, <laughs> I might turn around and say, okay, you're going to do 10 sets of five. And they're like, what? So that includes the warming up. So the first set might be 40 kilos, just as a random example. Yeah. And then they might go 40 again. Then they do 60, then 60 again, then 80, and then they do 100. So now they've done like five or six warm-up sets, and then they're going to do maybe four or five sets where they get progressively heavier. Yeah. So sometimes it's worth understanding that it's not always what people think. They go 10 sets of five. So what you need to ask, is that 10 working sets of five or 10 total sets in which your warm-up is included? Mm. And this is where... And how, how, much warm-up should we, how much warm-up should we do for a sort of resistance training, do you think, and, and, and not draining energy for the actual purposeful lift? That's a, that's a great question. Now, I'll be honest, my bias for this is you warm up with what you're going to do. Mm. Now, as I've gotten older, <laughs> I've appreciated that mobility beforehand and movement flows and stuff is useful. So what I would now, what I would always used to say is, I oh, just go lift. Because now it's like, okay, get a movement flow together that will help you open up your hips, start to feel what's going on. If there's anything in your lower back, open up the shoulders, get your sort of posture in there. So whether that would be, for me, the common one is inchworms. So it'd be like an inchworm mm. where their hands are on the floor, and they mm. move themselves forwards, step a leg up and then rotate into what's called the world's greatest stretch, and then into a down dog, yeah, up dog, and then walk the feet in and do that either consistently for five minutes, maybe 10, or they do that for five minutes and then do some specific ones for another five minutes. Say if you've got an injury like me, you might have to do a few extra leg extensions. If you've got a bad shoulder, it might be some external rotations. There's then nuance that can be added in based on the person and their wear and tear, their job. Yeah. Some people have jobs which they're always like this. Sure, hunched so over, yeah. Need, yeah, they might need some shoulder band dislocations, they're called. So when you take a band over your head and all the way back, so there's going to be nuance that they need. But then beyond that, okay, that gets you nice and warm. So you might have five minutes of skipping, five minutes of mobility. Then we can go and lift. So, te- so, so, te- so you do a bit of CV, like 10 minutes, basically, get the blood going. And then and then more yeah, kind five of... minutes. Yeah. yeah, you can do. Because, again, the movement flow itself will get the blood going. Because this it comes to a person's level of preparedness. This is where it is always a struggle to give that generic uh, sort of, okay, here's what you need. That's where, as I said, for me as a person, I'll say, right, 10 minutes of sort of like movement and ability to get people started and then we can go and lift. So then they're not eating into their energy and doing too much because there was a very popular trend, sort of like the early two, was it 2010-ish? And CrossFit was popular, maybe a bit before that actually, where people do like 45 minutes of warm-up because they'd be doing their mobility, their foam rolling, all of these. It's like... yeah. It's just too much time for to that people don't have the time for it. Now, let's say somebody's got half an hour to train. Mm. If I'm saying, okay, you're going to do 10 minutes of general sort of skipping type or something cardio related to get the heart rate up and then five minutes of mobility, you've got to think about maybe five minutes of stretching in that. They've only got 15 minutes then to do something productive. You can do that. Most people are like, it's not enough. So mm. it's like, okay, how can we then program around that? So you go, right. Okay, so the snatch grip deadlift, going back to that, we're going to do our 10 sets of five. So what, what just for, for the uninitiated, a snatch grip, how would you describe that in terms of? Uh, so wide hands. Wide hands, yeah. Wide hands. The best way to think about it is wide hands. So on like mm. a standard bar where you have ring lines. Yeah. Think about the middle finger being on like the furthest ring line. As okay. A so say if that's what we're going to do for our main move for the day uh, with some overhead pressing at some point or press-ups or dips or whatever. If they've only got half an hour to train, 
what we can do is we can go right you're going to do inchworms that flow for five minutes then we go straight to the deadlift first set of five when they've got the bar they do that and then they do a mobility move mm. and then they do their second set of five going a bit heavier mobility move third set of five mobility move so you can then start to combine the mobility and the main training together yeah provided it doesn't cause any like interference is the best way to say and the it. mobility move would be the inchworms and things like that you talked about before it can be the inchworms yeah. it can be the shoulder um dislocations it could be something hip mobility related so there's i'm not sure what it's called i think it's like the 1990 stretch where you're sat on the floor one leg is in front of you at 90 degree angle the other one's like behind you so yeah, yeah. Like, a, like a z yeah you can lift your feet up and swivel them to the other side so you mm. might end up doing 15 of those each side in between every set of deadlifts okay. if you need to open your hips up with them and, so, and- is that in the rest period, is it, between the deadlifts? You do that? Basically, kind of, yeah. yeah. So if yeah. you're resting, say, two, like, maybe a minute or two, you can put that in between. This mm. is where, again, it, cons- it makes it constant work. So it's active recovery, as it were. Yeah. This is why it's worth picking movements that don't necessarily interfere with the main sort of things that you're doing. Because using the what I'm explaining there with, in terms of adding weight each time on the deadlift is a ramp. Mm. So you start off light and you just work towards your heavy working weights for that session then you do your working sets which is why i say if you've got 10 sets in total you might have six or seven of those being your warm-up sets where you get progressively heavier so the rest will be quite consolidated you won't Mm. need much yeah which is where you do your mobility moves in between those then your last three sets of say five they might be the ones where you need maybe two to three minutes rest in between because they're going to be that heavy yeah to save time in that that's where you might decide to have a supersetted movement of say like okay you can do the deadlift then as many press-ups as you can rest the remainder of your three minutes repeat twice more it's, it's funny with fitness isn't it that's one of the um the opaque areas it seems to be is the rest period between sets and it varies if you if you're going for strength or hypertrophy or endurance strength people say but then you hear different advice from really learned people you think actually that other person said a minute and that person's saying two and a half minutes it's what is your goal so if you're developing strength you're looking for what six four to six reps and then maybe a minute, a minute and a half between sets, how would you do it? Or is it, is it longer, you're allowed to have longer? It, it can be longer. Now, if you were looking for, I remember reading something from, I wanna say it was Charles Francis who was saying this, because what he would have his sprinters do, thinking about deadlift, is when he would have them deadlift, they'd rest, I think it was anywhere from like four to seven minutes in between deadlift sets, because mm. he wanted them to be as, as fresh as possible. So the strength that they were developing from that had some transference to the sprinting and stuff they were doing, where he's had crossover. Because mm. again, having a minute's rest in between sets of four to six, you can do that, but you're not going to get top end strength from that. So then it comes down to what type of strength is someone trying to produce? If yeah. they want to have as much strength as possible, you need to be as fresh as possible. Because from like a neurological standpoint, I can't remember where but I But what, what would that be, five minutes, would it? Or is that too ridiculous 10 minutes 15 minutes really and yeah that's what i mean that's when you then get into the realms of power the the extreme yeah yeah, the ones who want to be like maximize what they do but then you start to spend hours and hours in the gym Mm. and that's when the reason they talk about that is because they're then talking about the like the nervous system and how long that takes to like fully recover so that you're you can repeat that level of effort or intent and that level of neural impulse yet do average people need that no mm. which is why as a standard guideline if people are mostly training for strength they say three to five minutes rest yeah because what you can do is you can use that 
as a good barometer for work capacity. So say you're going to do five sets of five, right? Mm. And you've got five minutes rest in between each set. Right? So what you would do is you might have your first set of working set of five, five minutes rest, second set, and so on and so forth. Then the next session you come in, you might take off 10 seconds or yeah. 10% or whatever you need. So then it's or 15 seconds. Instead of five minutes rest, you have four minutes 45. Then the session after that, you have four minutes 30. The session after that, four minutes quarter. The session after that, four minutes. Mm, so if you, get- you keep if you want to keep the weight the same. So say if I'm thinking if somebody's training at home, they've got a garage gym and they've got limited weights, that's one way you can progress their strength because their strength level is increasing in a way because they're able to repeat the high quality effort with less rest. And that's what's called work capacity, which is actually what most people will benefit more from and will actually seek in regards to strength training. So if you want to be strong, it's like, you rest. Like, How long? No, you rest. <laughs> when you when you are recovered and you can repeat that, that's when you yeah. go. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to work capacity, it's like, okay, your one RM is 200 kilos. We're going to do sets of five at 150 kilos. Yeah. This is how much rest you need currently to repeat that effort three or four times or whatever it is. Great. We're going to try and bring that rest down while keeping that level of performance and strength where it is. So your work capacity has gone up, even though the average intensity has stayed the same. Mm. Their ability to work has gone up, meaning they can repeat high quality efforts and have sustained strength for longer. So that's where like we get into like the weeds of things. Mm. And mm. there's no, there are sort of guiding principles of the answer. As I said, three to five minutes rest is roughly what you want. When you start going below that, so to using the progression example I've just used, once I get them to three minutes and they can repeat the five, the five sets or whatever it is they're doing, now we add weight. Because mm. going below that, then yeah. as you said, you start to get into the realms of hypertrophy and endurance and different things. So it's like, okay, it's not to say it's wrong or it's not useful. It's just now you're doing something different, which is yeah. why you see a lot of people in that do the classes, say the half an hour classes, like the express hit ones, and they come out hot and sweaty and they're like, oh, I really enjoy it. And then after a while, like, how's the progress going? Oh, yeah, it's really good. Great, show me. And then they go, okay, I'm not really progressing the way I want to. <laughs> stop working it's like yes because you're not getting stronger because if you want to have a high a high sort of amount of volume in a training session if you want a high density for that as well so in other words you do a lot of work per unit of time Mm. the intensity is going to be low because you can't lift heavy weights when you can heavy is not as relative as people think it is it's absolute heavy is heavy but you can't lift heavier weights and have minimal rest period it doesn't work you might do it for one or two sets but you can't do it continuous no, no yeah there's clearly rates go up. <clears throat> there's clearly a lot of science to it but there's also a sort of touch and feel approach to it which is interesting when um when you, when you try and my physio at the moment has said to me he said look you want to build strength around the, the knee so you need maximal strength development which is four to six reps but i asked him how long was the rest and he said well it's you know go for a minute a minute and a half between and then the physio also said to me and he's a he's a great guy but he said you know you, you should be on the sixth rep repetition be struggling to to get the weight up but then it's like well but i'm also that i won't be struggling on the first set if i know i've got to do four or five sets i'll be struggling on those but should i be struggling on the sixth repetition of the first set it's it's interesting sort of nuance you can get into about the effectiveness of it yeah and that's as you say that's where like with a lot of things you have the art and the science that i can't remember who this quote is from but it's a music one of you know was it like you learn how to read music you learn how to sort of play all the different keys or stuff 
or strings, whatever it is. You learn how to put it all together. You learn how to copy other songs, and then it's then you learn how to play. You forget mm. it, we'll learn how to play. I've butchered that completely. Yeah, yeah, any no. Music, I get... Any musicians will be sat there going, <laughs> "You fool!" But then yeah. it's that whole thing of you get all the technical stuff and get it there. So now you know the science. You've got the base principles. You now you, you sort of put it all to the side, and now you go and actually make it work. Mm. And this is then where it. Well, 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 I've, well, I've been studying the Future Fit course. Obviously, you're a great tutor. I'm, I'm hopefully fairly near to completing the level three, but it's great doing the study and, and, and sitting on a laptop, but then actually just being in a gym, you almost learn as much. And I've realized that that's important for me to get down there and, and nuance his approach to it. And even things like I try and warm up. I joined a gym five minutes away so I can kind of briskly walk there, which helps, you know, part of the warm up time effectively. You know, there's little elements like that, but you, you're right that it's all right understanding it on paper, but things like rest sets how many sets you do it's all kind of touch and feel when you're there both with yourself and i'm guessing for you with clients as well oh yeah 100 percent. and this is the thing is that when you're trying to sort of guide people i'm sure you found it with like your journalism and your writing and those yeah. things and obviously with when you sort of look at that you think oh that's all quite cool and you understand where it came from people go but this is what the book says you're like i know that's what the book says <laughs> here's how it kind of actually works in the moment in terms of if you were the person you've got to read their social cues their yeah. visual cues and uh, like a mentalist would you take in all those little things you go okay this is going to end badly if i continue this route i've got to go that way mm. and, if, and, yeah. and, if they're, and if they're tired or you know we've talked about that they've got young babies at home whatever it is sleep deprivation you're not going to yeah. push them you might it's still worth doing something but not trying to push it too hard perhaps things like that yeah it's making it productive and this is the point of uh, as i mentioned earlier on there's a it's once you've done enough you don't need to do more mm. and we are unfortunately in the it's kind of one of those good, bad things of, or good, bad attitudes of people want to keep doing more and pushing themselves beyond their limits, which is not a bad thing. You know, your reach, was it your, your reach without extend, extend, out, out, extend your grasp or something like that. So you're just, just out of comfort zone. Enough, yeah. 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 Just far enough away that you can grab it, but you've got to work for it. But we now seek and chase that feeling of fatigue and that montage sort of mentality. Well, we've got to smash ourselves, kill ourselves every time, work really hard. Rocky, like you, yeah. Yeah, Rocky, you do, but it's not sustainable. And it's thinking, okay, what do you need to do? What's the one thing you can do in your training that will benefit you in the next session? Poliquin used to say that quite a lot. I remember he was, when he recommended the book, The One Thing, mm. I was like, oh, let's go and read that. And again, it suited my personal bias and not for live, which is more minimalistic styles of training and keeping things as simple as possible. So, okay, you can get a lot done simply. And mm. if somebody says, like with the arm training and stuff you mentioned earlier on, they're like, oh, if that's what they need mentally yeah. to keep them consistent. Well, bicep like, okay. curls, yeah, yeah. It's like, fine, we'll have some sexy training at the end. Yeah. And the sexy training can be the one that gets them the, the pump where they leave going, oh, I've really pumped now. I'm great. Oh, yes, it's amazing. <laughs> Awesome, because that brings them back. That gets them buy-in from the mental mm. standpoint. If it's somebody that is a bit of a cardio bunny, they need to feel hot and sweaty. We know they need strength, a little bit more lean mass. Okay, the end of their session, that's what would be non-interfering with what we've just done. Yet it would give them that mental satiation that they need to. Stay so put, put put them on a treadmill or something like that at that point, would you or? I'd probably teach them something a bit different. I'd get yeah. them doing, so they understand, maybe like some kettlebell swings if they have mm. the skill for it. So something that is still beneficial to them, but different so that they start to 
move away from cardio because if i if we say cardio people will think treadmills rowers running and all that stuff yeah no cardio is aerobic training mm. aerobic training can be done with weights it can be done with body weight it can be done with all these things the same as anaerobic training people think oh lifting weights and all those things well no anaerobic training can be sprinting it can be swimming it can be running so it's getting people away from the conventional yeah. wisdom and the status quo. It's, where, it's where, where your heart rate is and how much oxygen you're taking in, yeah. Yeah, and how hard you and how the intensity level is in based on what you're trying to achieve. But if we can get people away from that mentality of they need to kill themselves in the gym, it would be useful. Although, let's be honest, it's satisfying. Everyone <laughs> likes a session where you're like, yeah, yeah, it feels like I've done something. You're like, yeah. Okay, it feels like you've done something. But that's sort of, but then you don't want to get the sort of C to D, which which could kill you for the next couple of days. So yeah, it's so like what have you done? Is it something productive or is it just more? Because mm. I'll try and use then the analogies of people. So okay, if you're going to drive to London, where would you park? Like, oh, well, I'd go this way, this way, and I'd park um and I'd park here. Mm. Okay, great. Why wouldn't you park five miles down the road? It doesn't make sense. I don't need to. Yeah, but why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, so wouldn't. <laughs> okay, so why in the gym when you've done what you need to do, will you do more? Yeah. Oh, well, that's different. No, 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 no. That's when you know people's bias and cognitive dissonance is kicking in because they're like, oh, yeah, but that's different. No, it's not. We're, if we strip it back to a principle, if this yeah. is A, this is the result B, this is A and this is B, why would you do more? And they're like, oh, yeah, oh but, but, but. It's like, that's what it's trying to get people to think and accept reality for what it is. And sometimes more isn't better. Well, this is you- the. This is a principle you could apply to to broader life, I think, as well, that people feel that compelled to be busy, don't they? So it's, you know, fire off 100 emails a day rather than the one that really matters, whatever it might be. Exactly that. And that comes into, what's it, uh, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. It's like, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do, uh, do it first. Mm. I've recommended that book by a chap named Lee, who's one of my old clients, and he was a very intelligent guy, a real like nice guy as well. And he was like, hey, I read that book. And he referenced it to his worst thing in the day which was being like sending off a or phone call or an email to like his, his director mm. and it's very true in fitness as well so like, okay the things you don't want to do do them first because then the, they're done the squats means- and the deadlifts and the things that everyone finds typically hard i know some people love leg day but i think a lot of people find those hard but that's the point because then once you've done that you then have the at the benefit of doing what you want at the end and then it's having people say, okay, well, you do this and this, you get to do what you want at the end. However, what's been giving you more benefit? Because you've always done what you've wanted and it never got you benefit, but now you're doing what you need to do. Has there been benefit? And it's a very simple black and white answer, yes or no. Mm. And, what, and that's what helps to shift the mindset so a little bit. We've got the deadlift with this, with the um with the, the wide grip. What else would you recommend in terms of of core exercises we've talked about pull-ups before i know you've talked about pull-ups on the on on your instagram account whether that's you know body weight or whether that's assisted weight once you progress in in that is is that a key a key element that you'd say is a sort of fully functional compound movement a pull yeah pull-up is a very useful move because let's be honest if you can lift your own body weight even for one or two reps the same as getting up and down off the floor your your chances of mortality from falling go dramatically down Mm. Right. If you have an elderly person, as an example, let's say a 70-year-old, and they can still do one pull-up, that can literally be life-saving. Because mm. they might slip over, twist, hurt their knee, now they can't stand up, but the phone is on the table or somewhere. So they might need to grab onto something and pull themselves up. Yeah, They've obviously then got their legs and everything else to help them, so it'll be easier. But because they can do one chin-up, like close grip, doesn't matter. They can just do the one, 
That's then the difference. The same as with a Turkish get-up. That's also a good movement I would recommend people do. I find that hard mentally to do that, this sort of sequence of it. You know, the kind of, um, I, I always watch the videos and, and try and do that. But it's, it is a good one, you're right. Yeah, because again, it's that getting onto your side, again, with the arm up above your head, mm. getting up, getting into that position. And it just helps with the overall stability and mobility in one movement. And this, typically the Turkish get-up is associated with kettlebells. And it is a useful way to, to lift is with the kettlebell. You can use barbells, dumbbells, and other bits of kit. The kettlebell just feels like the ergonomic design. It just feels uncomfortable. Mm. Gold standard, if you can do a Turkish get-up with half your body weight, do you need more strength than that? Probably not. Could you get stronger? Yeah, of course you can. But do you need to? Mm. And that's yeah. often the question I would ask people these days with the training, because while a lot of the training that people do with me is considered either abbreviated, consolidated, or minimalistic, it throws people out because it seems too simple to work. Mm. And they'll end up <laughs> potentially doing more behind the scenes. And it's like, this isn't working. I'm like, what else are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought I needed to do this. I thought I needed to do that. So, but you've always done that. Has it worked? Oh, yeah. well, no, no. Has it worked to get you to where you want to go? No. What gets you from point A to point B doesn't get you to point C. Mm. You need yeah. to be able to give that away and move forwards but, from a new starting. But you're comfortable with maintenance once you get to a certain level of performance in terms of strength, at least. Or, or cardio, cardiovascular, I guess, yeah. Yeah, most people are. And the biggest thing with the body is your body's never really sort of like level in anything. It's no. always going up or down. So you're either progressing or regressing. You're not necessarily staying where you are. There's always a little bit of give for things. And that's what people say. So, well, how strong do I need to be? Mm. If you want me to give you arbitrary standards that I have seen through clients over the years to be good, double body weight deadlift, body weight and a half on the front squat, and some sort of press for ladies, body weight bench press for men, body weight overhead press, mm. and then multiple chin ups and pull ups for both, both sort of like men and women. Great. If you can do that, that's pretty much going to be as much strength as you need mm. for good everyday life and all those things. And I say they're like top end levels for most general population people as well. Could you go more than that? Of course you can. Could it be slightly less? Yeah, potentially. You could have body weight and a half on the deadlift body weight on the front squat and then maybe three quarters of pressing overhead mm. or like mm. half pressing overhead again they're minimal strength standards but it then comes down to okay well how easy do i make it for yourself you yeah, have yeah. to have something yeah. worth going for the overhead press for me i mean everyone's different aren't they that seems quite a lot three quarters of your body weight to press over your head just off the top of my head thinking about it not that i've attempted so, yeah, if you if you weigh 80 kilos it's 60 kilos isn't it yeah to press overhead it's significant and this is the thing is it's because it's not a a well-used movement anymore back in sort of like the 40s 50s 20s as well those kind of times the press overhead that was the test of strength yeah it was how much can you press overhead because uh, you had to pick it up from the floor and put it over so and that's better a, now it's bench press is it is that what people interpret yeah yeah the bench press used to be an accessory movement but the reason the bench press came in was because well, it was an ego lift it was easier because you could lay down and be stable and press a lot of weight because the press, the strict press, used to be in the Olympics. And I want to say it was dropped in about the 70s. I'd need to double check the exact date it was dropped. But the reason for it being dropped is people learned how to cheat the form. Yeah. And it was very hard to judge. So they dropped it because it used to be the press, the uh, snatch, and then the clean and jerk were the sort of the Olympic lifts. And they dropped the press. 
And that's when the wow. snaps, the clean and jerk numbers went up because the press became hard to judge because some people were able to press and almost lean back into a bench press like mm. type movement. Mm. Others would use like a knee kick or they would sort of press yeah. the hips in, bounce it up. And the technique became very much like, this is not right now. Yeah. So that's, that's why it got dropped. And it lost popularity because of that. Whereas, again, if we look at kettlebells, if you look at, say, the RKC or the SFG, any of those sorts of hard style type kettlebell trainings, the overhead press is something that they are like, yes, you need to have this well. I think to pass the level two sort of certification for both of those establishments, you need to press as a male at least half your body weight overhead within like mm. a few kilos mm. of it. It's where the kettlebells yeah. have bigger jumps. Yeah. If you weigh, say, 80 kilos, it's 40 kilo yeah. bell. But if you weighed, say, 77, it's like 33 kilo bell. Do they have a 33 kilo bell? It's like, okay, we're going to use <laughs> maybe a, a 36 kilo bell instead or a 34 kilo bell, depending on what they have access to. So yeah. that's where it's, it sort of changes. And for, I think, ladies, it's a third of the weight they press over. Okay. That. I, I would need to check that for those to double sort of confirm it. And again, they're good strength standards because people are looking at why would I need to be that strong? And I'm like, that's a great question. I have a counter question. Why would you not want to be that strong? Why would you want to be weak, feeble, immobile, unable to run for a bus? And people go, you're being a knob. It's like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> However, why would you not want to be at least at some decent level of physical capacity? I'm not saying you have to be like a high level elite athlete. No. Because to be elite or to be at a really high level, you choose to do that. If yeah. that's what you choose, I'll bend over backwards to help you. If you just want to be better, okay, we need standards. We need to know what better is in a tangible term. Mm. Then, then, then you can work out, is that achievable? Is it realistic? Someone says, oh, yeah, I want to be better. I want a five times body weight deadlift. You're like, <laughs> that, that's, that's a long like, time. Yeah, that, it's a lot of time. You can get there, but that's going to be a lot of time. Yeah. And what will it cost you to get there? But you say double body weight, you can get somebody to a double body weight deadlift with a year easily, and then you can stay there. So it's a case of, well, do I go for three times body weight now? You could. Or how about you try and get your double body weight deadlift for two reps, mm. and then three reps, and then four reps. So then it's mm. building strength in a different way. It's then more strength for life because you – will build a good level of base strength where you're always kind of strong yeah. all the time. Yeah, because the theory of building your maximal strength is you, you can't really practice one repetition, particularly if you've not got someone to, who's spotting you. But it's it, it's that kind of element of what do you think about endurance strength? Does that affect your maximal strength at all? If you can do, say, any given weight, you can do 40 reps of it. If you then take that to 45, would your one max rep go up at all or not at all? What's your... That's, that's actually a really great question because Marty Gallagher tackles that that exact question in the book the purposeful primitive and mm. um, i can't remember the chap he was talking to about it but he regales a story of where there's a guy and he literally walks past this barbell that had like 500 pounds on it and the guy gets under it does a set of 10 puts it back and marty <laughs> was like yeah wasn't that dangerous and apparently the guy said to him it was only 500 pounds wow. and he then says it was like the sort of the chinese zen joke Jen sort of riddle of what is the sound of one hand clapping it's like a slap across the face <laughs> because to this guy his max was 900 pounds or like 950 pounds at the time wow so that was only half of his max and that was a question that marty then had of okay if you can bring up your base your 50 percent so any literally being ready any time of the day to get under 50 percent of your max and do mm. 10 reps if you can creep that up over time bring up your base strength will it impact yeah. your one rm 
and as far as I'm aware, there's not been a direct, okay, yes, that will happen and because no one's tried it. Although, from my experience, I know that if you increase your one rep max strength, everything else goes up. It ah. won't necessarily work in reverse because of the neurological demand from it. Because think of it this way. What else is endurance if not continued strength? Yeah, yeah. So and, it, and it's like psycholo you... psychological strength as well, endurance, I think, a lot of times, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, endurance is very much you can push through. Because then people say, oh, but well, if I train to do this and do more reps and those things, it's good. It's, like, it's okay. You have to train to do that. If you train to be one rep max strong, as an example, yes, I am biased towards strength. I don't deny that. <laughs> if you can say bench press 180 kilos, chances are you can put on your body weight on the bar and bench press it for 50 reps. Mm. However, mm. if you train to bench press 50 reps with your body weight on the bar, do you think that will allow you to bench 180? No, probably not. But no. what, what, what's interesting anecdotally I've found is that if I haven't bench pressed for a while, particularly say a dumbbell press, but I've done press ups, I find that my, and I don't know whether the, that I can get back to where I was very quickly. And I don't know whether I would do anyway, but having done press ups seems to be helpful. Even if you're doing 40 press ups versus, um, you know, lifting, lifting a, a bench, lifting a weight six times. With the press-ups, again, that comes down to your inter- and intramuscular coordination. So what you're doing is you're working the same rough movement patterns. So you're learning yeah. the movement skill. Yeah. <clears throat> the biggest difference comes in in terms of top-end strength yeah. versus strength endurance is what is actually required to recruit the muscles and the motor units needed. Mm. And that's the hard part is if you're not touching on that top end strength or top end speed, you will lose it because strength is a skill. Yeah. And that's what I think people do forget. Strength is a skill. If you want to be one rep max strong, three rep max strong, whatever, you have to practice it. Yeah. Would you and lose it less, less quickly if you were doing endurance movement, you'd lose the maximal strength less quickly than you would do if you weren't doing anything. I know it's, I know it's, it's again into the weeds, you, but I couldn't empirically say how quickly the rate of degradation would be it would come out to the point of how strong were you in the first place yeah yeah and that's you, the point with it if you are massively strong in the first place you've got more wiggle room if you're not you've got less wiggle room because what i found is that you you can sustain your you can sustain your strength very easily to answer that question you're correct you can sustain strength top end with only needing to do to touch on it maybe once every maybe once every five days once every 10 days once every month mm, wow. depending on the lift Yet to build it, it takes a long time. So once you've built it, it's easier to keep it there by gently touching on it. It might not be at this level. You might be touching on it and be about here, mm. but you're roughly around the same. But to build it there, you can't build strength through endurance. You build it through the lower rep training, yeah. the grinds, getting used to generating tension and torque. And, and interesting. And yeah, and interesting that maintenance, you talk about the actual movement pattern as well, which may help you get back into a weight lift if you've been doing something similar to it versus not having, I think a, a squat with a barbell is a very different thing than a body weight squat, it feels like to me. So it's interesting that, I don't know, it's just the the, the actual thing of having something on your shoulders is a different feel than, than than doing it without it. So I think that, whereas a press up and a bench press seems more similar in a, in a sense. Um, a lot of it comes down to the center of mass. So, so going back to the squat, what you're saying there, is when you're doing a bodyweight squat, the center of mass is different mm. because the, the center of mass of a human is like through here, through the torso, whereas with a child, a baby, they go, oh, squat like a kid. Well, no, kids are going to squat almost dead upright because their head is the heaviest part of their body at that stage. 
Yeah. And when you have a barbell on your back, the, the center of mass has now shifted, which is why when people squat and they start pushing their hips back and they start then squatting down, it's so that the barbell is now over the center of the foot. Okay. This is why some people make better squat than others based on their, their level length, their limb length. People that have got short femurs and long shins with a long torso will be better squatters than people that have long femurs and short torsos. Yeah. Because a short torso will have you more length forwards. Ah, yeah. And that's, that's where they look and go, well, so the depth is different. Stocky so, people are good at squatting. Yeah, that's interesting. Again, that's why it's the whole thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the, like the prop in rugby. He looks like that because he's a prop. Or is he or she a prop? because they look like that yeah yeah usually yeah. our builds will gravitate us towards what we're good at doesn't mm. mean we can't play any different sports or we can't reach high levels at the sports that we're not genetically built to do well it's just going to be hard mm. which mm. is why when you see the people that have certain physiques have certain levels of athleticism have certain levels of strength they all come from very similar stock if mm. that makes sense yeah and obviously in the modern world, it's like, oh, you can be anything and you shouldn't say that. <laughs> there's, a genetic, there's a genetic ceiling, yeah, that everyone so, has. Yes. Yeah. Physics and, and reality matter. So again, that's when it comes into it. Can some people sustain their strength through more lower level endurance work and getting out lots of work load? Yes, they can. Have they built up to it over time or was it natural? Probably a case of the both. The reason they can do it is because it was naturally better suited to mm. them. And you have others that hardly do any training mark chalet was like that yeah, i think he lifted in terms of some of the accounts he did like a mini powerlifting meet essentially twice a week he'd do squat and bench press on monday <laughs> and then deadlift on the thursday and that's all he would do he'd work up to heavy singles wow and yeah he was able to stay as strong as he was just from doing that that's like amazing dream that's like a, he's a powerlifting savant as marty gallagher called him it's like yeah, because less that's, wear and tear, less, less wear and tear on your body as well for that. Yeah, that's like the extreme of one end. But then you have other people that do lots and lots of volume and they get out loads and loads of work, and it also works. That's why when people say, "Oh, we need to find what works for you," it's like, yes, yet you need to earn the right to what works yeah. for you. Yeah, because if, if if you've not got a base of anything, everything will work. It's only as you get higher and higher and higher up the mountain, closer to your natural genetic limit and genetic peak that you will mm. go okay this is now what works for me specifically mm. because now you know whereas before that you just have to try it all and slowly bring it down again it's there'll be shortcuts to it you can look at someone and you can know you can go you're built to be a sprinter a swimmer yeah. or whatever yeah because you look at them it's like michael phelps right yeah. if you have somebody else who happens to have the build of michael phelps you'll look and go You've got the build to be a swimmer, but do you have the neurological setup to be a swimmer? Not mm. just from a psychological standpoint of enjoyment and like that obsession with it, but in terms of I'm talking your nervous system, your nervous system on the same level. Yeah. Because that's what will make the difference. You can have those people all have those similar builds, but some have slightly more reactive nervous systems. That's why some people are just phenomenal athletes from out of nowhere, like Bo Jackson. Mm. Phenomenal athlete. Yeah. Didn't lift, didn't really train. He was just. <laughs> one of those like that's just rare yeah yeah well, there's, yeah, there's a spectrum of 100 percent to what the top one percent isn't there so yeah it's oh there was who was it there was a there was a an nba guy who said on there what most people don't realize is that i'm closer to lebron james than you are to me and this was like he was ranked like 200 and some off in terms of like the, yeah the nba standard and yet he's right and yeah. people would look at that and go that's not right 
I'm close to you well, land. No, no, no. That's completely true. Especially in the, yeah. Especially in the critical world we live in, people will judge. But you always say you see a footballer who's on the bench in the Premier League. He was the best player in his school, best player in his county, the best player, you know, in the whole region, probably when he was in, in his age group. Yeah. And that's yeah, and that's when it comes into it. But then they people don't realise it's like that person on the bench is still then closer to those high level people than everybody else is to the person on the bench because what they have to do to get there. Yeah. And that's where, again, when it comes to training, training should enhance people's lives. It shouldn't overtake and re replace their life. Unless that's what you truly love doing, great, mm. by all means, then it's a different conversation. But for most people, it's like all you really need is maybe 30 to 45 minutes, three, four days a week. Yeah. And provided you're training productively, so they pull their thumb out their bum, right? <laughs> they actually like put in a good modicum of effort. You don't need more. People go, oh, really? Yes. That's how I work with people. That's how we tend to train. We try and keep it consolidated yeah. so that it's purposeful. And so it does work, but you have to have faith in the program. And there's a lot of noise going on. Mm. I was talking to somebody the other day, and there's a lot of noise and stress and anxiety. And they hear what everyone else is doing. And they go, well, maybe I need to do that. If I want that result, do I need to do that? And then they start to take the extreme, but that person's on, yeah. a, on a liquid diet. Do I need to do that? <laughs> no, just because they get so overwhelmed. Yeah. Focus, focus on what you're doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's FOMO as well. It's like, mm. am I missing out on something? So like, no, you're not. You need to trust the process and move forwards with it. But when it comes to health and fitness, because there's a lot of celebrity and, influence from say social media and those kind of things in not necessarily a positive way it misguides people mm. they only tell people half the story i've seen plenty of very shall we say physically well-developed people on social media and those things and they're like oh and their clients like what do you think of this person i'm like yeah that's not real what do mm. you mean it's like that photo is photoshopped to high heaven <laughs> endless filters all those kind of things a few mexican supplements in there maybe as well <laughs> yeah and they're like really i was like meet the person in real life and yeah. i guarantee they will not live up to that but when you meet mm. them they might be in baggy clothes and be like oh yeah no i'm off of prep at the moment because they they can't live up to their own hype their own image yeah. and this is the problem we have with social media is it's so warped and just generally the sort of the message that people give out is so warped people don't know what reality is and what is mm. truly achievable and the fact that it takes a long time to get there that's where then people come back to well if i do more now i get the result faster you're like no you just get injured yeah and, and everyone's got a silver bullet it's like you know self-development whether it's fitness or other areas it's this is the thing you need to do you know this is the the elixir of, of life but actually you just need to do something consistently and make progress, which I think you, you speak that message brilliantly. With the so thirty to forty-five minutes is possible for say strength development. We've got yeah. the, we've got the uh, deadlift, we've got pull-ups potentially. Whether you add weight to that if you can do a high number of repetitions, or what what, what else would you say? Is it was it the press? You think is the the, the other uh, key movement? Yes, I do enjoy an overhead press. That's an awesome one. You've also got the Turkish get up. Yeah. Um, from like a cardiovascular development sort of standpoint, again, I'm biased because of kettlebells. Yeah. <laughs> but the kettlebell snatch is great. The kettlebell single arm swing is great. Kettlebell double arm swing is awesome. And then people say, what if I like running? So run. <laughs> you're, you're, and they're like, really? So yes, I would, again, my bias will tell you to 
run on soft surfaces, go and run on grass, do mm. some sprint drills on grass, do suicide runs on grass. Like where you're going up back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Do those, do shuttle runs. Or go and run on the beach if you're lucky enough to live. Oh, there. yeah, wow. Yeah. Or go fell running, go and run in like the woods and stuff because then your pace is naturally regulated. Mm. Running mm. on concrete, again, it's, it's a lot of impact. Yeah. Yeah. And it causes people a lot of problems now. Oh, but that runner, they have no problems. But yes, look at how they run. Yeah. Technically, from the technical model of how to run, they are as close to it as you can get. Or, yeah. Or see someone in their 50s who was doing a lot of running marathons and then they're getting knee replacements and you think, oh, maybe that there isn't the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not necessarily the running that's done that. It's how people run that's done mm. it. I found this with people hitting bags and like boxing and those things. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, my elbows went over time, my shoulders went. So, like, yes, it's not because boxing does that. It's because mm. of how you're hitting that does that. There's plenty that still box now, and there's no problems. There either. Totally yeah. healthy shoulders, arms, elbows, those things. So it's less a case of what's being done as opposed to how we're doing it. Yeah. So that's where those movements you have, like the deadlift, it's a great compound movement, pressing overhead, pull-ups, Turkish get-ups, swing variations for your cardio type stuff. You then also have very these are all sort of this is stuff that people already know it's nothing new it's just the organization of how you put it together and how you apply it so if i were going to do three training sessions a week and they were looking and someone's looking to build say a good amount of lean mass strength improve their body composition so lose body fat mm. not necessarily lose weight but lose body fat so look a bit better naked because people want to look better naked. <laughs> yep if you can do it three days a week monday i would say they'd be they do well to do so the snatch grip deadlift and the press overhead would say like their mobility work sets and reps that's gonna gonna vary based on the overall goal i'd say using like a ramping method you can superset them with 10 sets of five working to two or three heavy sets of five on that on the wednesday if you've got the skill mm. kettlebell snatches so you're trying to get out a high volume of snatches yeah and start light if don't worry about the strength if you worry about the movement when you start yeah it's yeah. the anaerobic side that we're looking for from that or they could simply have <clears throat> that being their swing day their ballistic day so they warm up and then they do their kettlebell snatches and their goal might be 200 reps in less than 10 minutes with a 24 kilo kettlebell mm. and let's say that after the warm-up and after doing that that's 15 minutes in they then got 15 minutes left well if you've just hit that that's pretty difficult could you then do something slightly different? Maybe you might do some mobility work. You might decide to do a couple of shuttle runs. You might do some loaded carries. You might grab a couple of the other kettlebells and just start walking up and down with them for 10 minutes mm. in different positions, holding them by your side, holding them in the rack, holding them overhead. If you've got a sandbag, you might hold that. So that, they have that, that sort of that's anaerobic. An aero aero yeah, that's an anaerobic. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have like a strength day, a cardio day, and then you have like a hybrid day. So on the third day, it's like, oh, now this is where the fun begins. We can now mix it all together. So what that might be then is just say they're using kettlebells for that day. They may then decide to do a complex. So double kettlebell swing, mm. double kettlebell clean, double kettlebell yeah. front squat, double kettlebell press, renegade row. And they do that. Say they start off with Turkish get-ups. That's their warm-up. So they do 10 minutes of Turkish get-ups and then 20 minutes of that kettlebell complex. They go, well, how many? You do as much as you can. <laughs> They're like, well, well, what should my goal be? So, like, well, that's a great question. Mm. I would say once you can do that complex, because what's that like? Uh, swing, clean, squat, press, row. That's five moves. If you can do six reps for all of them, that's 30 reps per movement. If you can repeat that five times, 
in say yeah. 20 minutes because people go that's a lot of time i'm like yeah it's hard yeah you've then got a choice they can then increase the density meaning they keep the weight the same and bring the time down or you say okay that same 20 minutes once you can do those that five times with good form and it's all solid go up a kettlebell yeah so go up a four kilo jump because then it will naturally bring the amount that they do down and again it doesn't have to start off with six reps you might say okay you're going to start off doing you want your five sets do three reps of everything once you mm. can do three reps of everything for five sets in 20 minutes, do four reps. Once you can do that, do five reps. Once you can do that, do six reps. Yeah, and then, and then up, the, up the weight if you want, yeah, or, or reduce yeah, the time. Yeah, because you go as high as 10 reps. Again, it's like, okay, well, what's the outcome you're after? Yeah. Because we can manipulate it there. Because then they've had the strength work from the Turkish get-up, the anaerobic sort of muscular endurance, hypertrophy, um, hot sweating, the dye work from the complex. Mm. And then they can finish with some stretching and general stuff at the end. If you wanted a bit more strength in there at the start, you might have the Turkish get up as the warm up, and then say the I don't know. You might have front squats then because mm. we haven't. This is obviously isn't like a squatting exclusive thing. But you can then have like a strict barbell movement, in, or you can have pull ups in there. Actually, that'd be about pull ups. Mm. So the warm up with the Turkish get up, and then pull ups. Okay, fifteen minutes as many wide grip pull ups as you can. Yeah, using one third to two thirds of your max reps. So say you can do ten. Yeah, ten good pull ups. You're going to do sets of three to six. So you're yep. just going to go three, six, four, five, three, six, three, six, four, six, five, six. Just keep bouncing those reps around for 15 minutes to get as much work done as you can. Wow. So you have a strength movement, strength endurance movement, and then you just have like hot, sweaty death at the end. Yeah. Okay, so done that. That was 10 minutes. That was 15 minutes. That's 25 minutes. We're going to go say 20 minutes at the end, do your complex, get it all done. And then that's 45 minute session. That's then. So then you've got your strength session at the start of the week, anaerobic sort of explosive type session in the middle, because you can add sprints and different bits in there if you choose. And then you have your combination session at the end. Mm. And all of those could, could be done within 30 to 45 minutes each time. And I can guarantee people that they would get far better results from that than the than what they are currently doing because mm. I've seen with, it happen time and again. And with that time thing in, in essence as well, I suppose you're looking at what we talk compound movements, aren't they? Which is just multiple joints, multiple muscles in, in one movement. So you're not isolating anything. You're doing a, a pull-up, which is involving front back arms and you, you're doing lower body stuff, which is the whole of um, the bottom, the, the the thighs, the hamstrings, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. Again, in there. again if people say, well, I want to train arms, then put them in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, how would you advise I train it? And like, well, obviously, I train arms all the time, and they laugh. It's like, oh, my poor little small arms. <laughs> it's like, well, here's what you can do. If you want to do arms, do it as a superset. If it's a chap, if you biceps and triceps, awesome. All you're going to do is you're going to set a timer, 10 minutes. Why not? Because it makes life easier. And just do sets of 10 going back and forwards. Do 10, 10 curls over to the bar or dumbbells or whatever. And then 10 skull crushes or a tricep movement that doesn't hurt your elbows. Mm. And just keep going back and forwards, back and forwards, back and forwards. Just until the time. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter on the weight you're using. This one isn't about weight. This is about getting the blood into there to create that localized muscular fatigue for that localized hypertrophy. Do that. Because then you'll get that with ladies. What if I really want to do some glute isolation? <laughs> do it. Again, yeah. pick a movement or pick three movements and just cycle through them for 10 minutes, getting out as much volume and work rate as you can, pumping the blood into the area. Then that's that done. Yeah, that's if interesting. If they want to do that yeah. for like mental reprieve, great, then allow them to do it. No, it's interesting online that you said the glutes thing in the female social media is, is a big uh, a big thing, clearly. Um, Ross, been absolutely amazing to, to speak to you as ever. Really appreciate the insight. And again, 
remind us of the Instagram account and remind us of the, the blog as well that you do, which is fantastic. Yeah, so the Instagram account is uh, at RossFitPT10, so that's R-O-S-S-F-I-T and then PT and the number 10, so one zero. Uh, you'll be able to find obviously my online content stuff on there, as well as an application form if anybody wants to approach me for any yeah. online training. If you're not local to me, so I'm obviously down to like the Southampton area in the UK mm. currently. So you can contact me there. And again, if you want any content written, like, have any questions, like fire them across. Yeah, and we'll be able to get a chat, get a call booked in and try and sort of help you out where we can. Uh, the blog that I write, I chuck a load of stuff on there for free, is it's on WordPress, which is just um, rossfitpersonaltraining.wordpress. You'll yeah. find it on there. But you'll, you'll find the blog like linked on from my social media and stuff anyway. Brilliant. Ross, love it. Thank you, man. Go well. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Take care, buddy. Good man, Ross Mitchell. Apologies if there were some audio issues on there. I think it may be my laptop or it may have been um, Ross's earbuds. I'm not quite sure, but hopefully it wasn't too disruptive. Appreciate his time as ever because he is uh, valuable in terms of a font of knowledge. So to give him that time, give us that time, I think is is really cool. So make sure you follow Ross Mitchell on Instagram PT10. Look it up. I think he'll come up pretty quickly as well. Some good videos on there, some good links to blogs that he writes as well. So worth getting in touch. I think that functional strength as we get older is something you kind of in the back of your mind, isn't it? Fit for life. And if you can pull yourself up, that might save your life, as he says, in in circumstances down the line. So really cool to get get his insights. Let me know what you thought of that. Please rate the podcast on iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to it on. And uh, also just out of interest, if you if you want to release a comment, would you like video? Because there's scope now through where I house the podcast and anchor to publish on Spotify and particularly through video and you could always put it on YouTube. So just whether you'd like the videos of these conversations, particularly those that are recorded on Zoom, very comfortable to do so, albeit the audio is not always as good quality on Zoom as it is in person with, with microphones. But really appreciate Ross's time and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you as well to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations look at bang olufsen of cheltenham online and if you're in this fine town of, of cheltenham in the west of england check out the store in montpellier in the courtyard there good coffee shop opposite as well gallimore's kitchen where i actually saw jason briggs or see him regularly actually in fact when i'm getting a coffee there because it's opposite here's bang olufsen of cheltenham store thank you also to cyta plan for their continued association with the podcast if you're looking to optimize your immunity would like to try their food-based supplements so the idea is they're digested as food would be head to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk and the discount code associated with the podcast is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r the numerals one zero and the capital letter r the discount 30 percent off your first purchase 10 percent thereafter and i don't know if the idea of attic box audio is one you'd like to look and check out just see what you think of it it's uh, atticboxaudio.co.uk a-t-t-i-c-b-o-x audio a-u-d-i-o.co.uk life stories anyone in your family you think so got uh, some memories you want to get for posterity down i wish i had my grandfather's who was served in the second world war knew a bit about that and him growing up in sunderland moving to london and becoming a painter and decorator at the age of 14 but there's some kind of gray areas of, of what i remember from a boy listening to him so i wish i had that quality recording so it's an idea to preserve family memories and preserve those essences of people in their own voice for generations to come and celebrate them of course in the in the here and now as well but check out attic box audio .co.uk see what you think of it thank you for listening to the podcast hope you enjoyed it and goodbye for now have a good week